This is episode number 232 of the Well-Fed Women podcast. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Well-Fed Women podcast. Steph and I are here today to do some catch-up on a lot of things, specifically things that are going on in both Stephanie and I's life. And we'll also be chatting about a lot of random stuff, like inconsistent cycles, uh, Plexus Slim, starting a business, and then balancing elimination diets with eating enough. Hopefully, we get it. we get to it all. First, I want to thank... Our sponsor, Fabletics. Go to fabletics.com slash wellfedwomen. Beautiful leggings for a wide variety of sizes and activities. Get two for only $24 by joining the VIP program. You'll get access to discounts and new styles monthly when you're part of that program. The fit is awesome on their leggings. They're true to size. And they aren't see-through like some competitors, which I have unfortunately been the victim of. When you go to our link, which is fabletics.com slash wellfedwomen, fill out the super cool interactive survey to get all the styles and sizes and complete outfits customized to you. Fabletics.com slash wellfedwomen. Hi, Steph. Hi. <laughs> you really felt like you had to put yourself on mute there? or <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes when you introduce our sponsors at the beginning, it takes a minute. And my mic, my new mic setup is very delicate and fussy. And so I do a lot of like, you know, this. That fussy (laughs) mic. Yeah, I know. If you just the wire, like swinging back and forth, Mm -hmm. it's like, ding. Well, I appreciate the uh, attention to the sound quality. Thank you. Yeah. So do you want to talk about your life? (laughs) There's, been, there's a lot that's been happening. With... It's very goss. You know, goss is a thing people say now, right? We abbreviate gossip. That's where we are today. I think oh, that's a thing. Oh, I didn't even know that that was a thing. Uh, well, I'm watching a show right now. Okay, it's about women in their mid-20s. So now much younger than I. And they use the word goss instead of gossip. It's called The Bold Type. It's on Amazon Prime. I highly recommend it. They're just really great. But uh, yeah, they say goss. So here I am. My life is so goss right now. (laughs) Can I just do a real quick tangent? Do you you watch Netflix or no? Yes, no? You have a friend's Netflix account that you log into? Uh, Yeah, I'm one of those people who has a friend who knows a guy with a girlfriend. You know what I mean? I'm one of those hangers out. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's this new movie, which I highly recommend called, have you seen it? Always be my maybe. Yeah. I. Hmm. Did you not yeah. like it? Yeah. I thought it was okay. It was just, I, I don't know. I don't know how believable I found it. And it was oh, a little heavy handed. Sure. Yeah. But I still love, <laughs> <It was laughs> cute. those are my cute. type of movies where I don't have to, like, I can just laugh. I like Ali Wong is really funny. Yeah. Um, and she made the movie and then it was just there's a lot of ridiculous stuff, but I thought it was hilarious. Anyway, carry yeah. on. <laughs> I just didn't okay. I highly I highly recommend that movie, but it, I'm in that phase right now where I'm just I don't need a lot of drama or anxiety or Yeah, I do you know what I mean? You. Yes. Okay. So I'm like you. what can I can I watch this interview with David Letterman and, and Ellen? That's yeah. yeah, that's what yeah. I went through a phase where I watched 
like for weeks, the only thing I watched was clips of Whose Line Is It Anyway on YouTube. Oh, Remember that show? I, I loved know. that show. Yeah. And this phase, by the way, was very recent. So like, <laughs> um, okay. So my life last okay. y'all heard, I told you about this crazy incident in which uh, I was on the border of legality. I don't remember what I said, and I'm just going to leave it at what I said, but things were very challenging for a while. And then I thought everything was fine because the police found me innocent, which was great. Thumbs up, Thames Valley Police. Thank you. And I was innocent. Anyway, my college at Oxford is less impressed. <laughs> less impressed way to by put it. me. Yeah. Less impressed by me in the series of events. And I was kind of blindsided, to be honest. Uh, next time we, well, not next time we record, but the next, next time we record, I'll be able to tell you more and, and, uh, unpack how all of this, uh, unfolded. But I was sort of blindsided with this big hearing that I had to go to where people were in formal robes and I showed up and I had sort of thought or been led to believe that everything would be very informal and I would have a chat with the principal and I would do what I could to help them prevent incidents happening and all these sorts of things. And I thought that was just going to be great. And we were all going to be productive and try to create a better future together. Uh, but as it turns out, I walked into this meeting full of very stern people who, who had no interest in taking as the basic assumption that I was innocent and meant well. Every single question that they asked me was assuming that I had intended to do something very nefarious. And by the end of the meeting, I was like, I don't know how many times I can tell you I didn't do this, <laughs> you know. So a few days after that, I got their decision, which was that I was to be banned uh, from college premises for 12 months, uh, which for some people might not be a big deal because they like don't your college is like your community at Oxford. It's for some people, they like don't really go very often, but I live at my college and I have for many years. And pretty can much, I, can my I ask a question? Here. I'm raising my hand. Yeah. So, yeah, is your college, is it your dorm as well? Yeah, kind of. So, when you enroll at Oxford or Cambridge or Durham, so when you enroll at these uh, elite, quote, elite colleges in England, uh, you are automatically allocated to a college. And when you're an undergrad, this is really important because uh, colleges teach classes to undergrads and they have different specialties and stuff. But when you're a graduate student like me, you do all your own research. And so it has no bearing on your academics whatsoever. But it is the place where you go to parties and the, you have a common room and you get mail delivered there. Like it's logistical stuff and social stuff and just kind of like your whole life. And some people live on campus and some most people don't. But I always have. And I have often I have been like the person who has been here and will be here for ages sort of thing. You know, they're like, oh, Steph, the dinosaur, yeah. you know, here she is. <laughs> and it's just and I've been banned from the premises. And it was like some heartbreaking things have happened in my life. But this was this was it felt really, really big and very disorienting. It was it's, it's like being kicked out of your family, like you're excommunicated. And sure, people will like come like have lunch with me once a week or something, but that's totally different from like living in the same house as somebody, right? Uh, how do they have the authority to like ban you, but yet the 
the university hasn't banned you and you're still a student there. Yeah. So it's not up to the university because the college is like, the college is your authority here. And even though the police found me innocent on police grounds, Lineker has different rules or has the jurisdiction to say whether or not a student violated their bylaws and what they want to do about it. You know, so yeah, they have, it's often students can be expelled, you know, like by colleges, they have that kind of authority. And so I'm actually pretty lucky that they didn't expel me. Can you imagine four years of my life just like gone? (laughs) Yeah. So um, I get to finish my degree, which is great. I've been banned. Now I was like, what? And a lot of students very, you know, just touchingly were like, what? You know, um, because I participate here and I take care of the place. You know, I like walk around the building and turn all the lights off every night while I'm not doing it right now because I'm angry. (laughs) But uh, I have submitted documents to appeal and now I need to go to an even bigger meeting. I have to present my case in front of like 50 people and they're going to vote on whether whether they will consider appealing the decision made. But um, from what I can predict it's probably not going to be appealed so i'm looking at different housing options i am taking this as an opportunity to look ahead to the next steps in my life and to get outside of my comfort zone i'm very comfort at my comfortable at my college here so um, it could be really good for me to try to be more intentional about building a different kind of life all this kind of stuff so i'm i after I've, i got this news about a week ago so it took me about a week to get to the Like, all right, I'm back in the saddle and I'm determined to build a happy life, you know, mode. Uh, But it was hard. And it's just, yeah, very goss. (laughs) Very goss. Very crazy. Like, just the craziest series of events over the course of the last few months. Um, So I'm just sort of riding the wave and doing my best to take care of me and the people around me. It is sort of kicking you in the butt, though, of like, all right, what's my next place what's my next landing pad which is can be a positive from all of this but still like what are your plans then for the next let's say a year where can you let you live Uh, off yeah so i'm i'm looking at off-campus housing options they're way more expensive than living on campus but i figure like when you almost go to prison and you get kicked out of your college for something you didn't do the then paying a little extra for a nice place is maybe a fine thing to do so um, I do think I want to keep living here for the time being. Um, I figure I'll give it a few months at least, you know, uh, or six months and, and see how it goes. And I can always uh, leave if I feel like I really have to. But I, I like I didn't have any plans. There's nowhere I was trying or planning to go. I knew that maybe D.C. sometime in the nearest future, maybe, you know. But, yeah, I was like, OK, now what? So the so I'm just I'm gonna try to stay here and yeah that's it. That's a bummer. I know you're like I was like hey can you record? You're like yeah, but also I'm getting kicked out of my college and I was like what? So <laughs> yeah, you at you asked like on the day one of the day, one of the days when I was just like laying in bed crying all day. Oh. Um, and I was like yeah sure let's record a podcast <laughs> whatever whatever. <laughs> um it's kind of how I yeah. Feel right now. yeah yeah so um it's all it's it's fine I have gotten to a stage where I think it's fine so 
stuff happens. How many times did you call your mom? Not egregiously more than usual because I still normally call her a lot. <laughs> Probably like twice as much as usual. Oh. Um, and the the guy that I had been seeing, am seeing, mm. uh, was uh, really supportive. And he lives in a different town, and so it was he was very helpful and helped me uh, escape. <laughs> you know, because now I'm like in now I'm I'm still in at Lineker. They've given me a couple weeks to like pack up. Um, but it's, it's, I hate being here now, you know, yeah. I feel like I don't belong. A lot of the people are like, don't like are skeptical of me now, you know, not everybody trusts me anymore. It's very bizarre. I'm like, yeah. okay. I, I just envision people like walking by your door, looking at you with like, Oh, I don't know. Should we say hi? I don't know. Just keep walking. Yeah. Everybody's afraid that I'm yeah. like, I'm contagious. Like they're yeah, going to yes. get kicked out too. Yeah. <laughs> don't touch her. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. And then so and so this 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 man that you're seeing is are we still seeing? Are we are we still seeing? Yes. Uh yes. Uh currently yes. Yeah, ask me in in a few weeks uh how things are going. Right now it's still really nice. So we'll do. Okay. I'm sure we will. Uh <laughs> <laughs> quick update on my life. So I it was kind of funny cuz last time we recorded I was like, oh, I'm just starting to see the light and blah, blah, blah. Oh, no. And I know. And, like, I got off. never say that. I know. I should learn my lesson. Um, I think a lot of you who have had the experience, that postpartum experience trying to breastfeed can relate. I So I got mastitis on, like, day seven of his life, jumped on antibiotics because I came down with it very hard and fast. And then uh, got off antibiotics and two days later got mastitis again in the other boob. So mastitis is a terrible infection that like creates flu-like symptoms. And sometimes it's caused by a plug duct. Other times it can be caused by just bacteria. If you have like damage on your nipples, which I do um, getting like into the breast tissue. So it's not something you want to mess around with. And it's something that if somebody were to ask my opinion, I would say, get on if it's not cleared up within 12 hours, get on antibiotics immediately because it can get nasty really quickly and you can have breast abscess and et cetera, et cetera. So I have been still nursing has been really painful because of the damage his latch is great we had three ties revised so his tongue he had a, his tongue was tethered to his mouth um and i really thank like the paleo ish community for bringing awareness to the whole like tongue tie issue because it's not something i would have known a lot about unless i'd heard about it from other moms and other people who had gone through these experiences yeah, so he had his his tongue was very tethered and his lips were they had like buckles, so it's like over your uh I don't know what you would quote unquote call your fangs, your canines, and then a lip tie as well, right above like in the center of your um two front teeth. And so we had all those revised. So his latch is great. I had to do the stretches, which were not fun. But I still have so much damage. So nursing was super painful. I started coming down with mastitis again. I was like within hours in bed shaking um had a fever and i thought i had developed thrush because you can yeast can overgrow when you're on these antibiotics i called my midwife on call who was at the hospital and she's like you need to come to the hospital because you may i want to see you i want to see if you like i want to get you back on antibiotics but i I just want to see what what the situation is Ended up going back to the hospital they immediately put me on a more broad spectrum antibiotic and an antifungal 
So I took that for two weeks. Luckily, cross my fingers, I haven't come down with mastitis since being off the antibiotics in the last four days. But it's so interesting because I I still get these questions from people like, we have this idea that medication should be avoided, and this is the time where you take all the medication. So legitimately, I have been on antibiotics, antifungals. I have been uh, taking ibuprofen still around the clock. I have this super conventional, I never thought I would do it, but I've been in so much pain that I did it. It's called Apno, like all-purpose nipple cream. And it's like a combination of like steroids and antibacterial and antifungal like cream that you get at a compounding pharmacy. I've been slathering that on. I have been (laughs) so medicated trying to get through this phase and I, it's just, I don't know, I wouldn't have been able to do it, like, without the assistance of very helpful medication. And even now, I'm still dealing with a lot of, like, residual trying, like, I have a, I'm a super producer, which sounds like it would be really cool, but it's actually a nightmare. It's why I've had mastitis twice. It's why my kid has had a hard time latching, because I'm over full. So I just have so much milk, and that's, um, causes, like, tumbles into a lot of other issues. And, I've actually been taking Sudafed around the clock, which is supposed you're not supposed to take when you're breastfeeding, but I'm like at my last resort. I've just been putting ice and like taking Sudafed around the clock. And it's, I'm like, I shouldn't say this, but I'm starting to come out of the other, like on the other side of it. My husband goes back to work this week and I'm sort of just like, how is this going to work? Um, because I, there's still a lot of maintenance, you know, involved with managing myself and my boobs and my tiny baby. And so now I'm going to throw a two-year-old who just turned two. Uh, I'm going to throw a two-year-old into the mix, and I'm sort of petrified, going to be quite honest. But it it made me understand and, like, really, I get it. Like, I know why people say I can't do this with breastfeeding because, I, I mean, I went above and beyond to try to do everything possible. You know, I have done everything possible, and I'm still, like, I can't I don't like can I do this another day and that's where you get you know and a lot of people get there and I'm I have the privilege of having a really great care team and all of this knowledge and previous experience nursing my daughter and all this stuff and I have an easier baby like he's been great he's so chill like it's really put it into perspective how distorted my my experience with Stella was I was really at a in a terrible place with her with the postpartum anxiety with her um, not sleeping with her colic she we we say this not we don't say this lightly like we're not you know we've we've my husband I've had conversations with people and we're like yeah she was she was a nightmare she was terrible and people are like oh don't say that and we're like no 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 like it was we didn't like I remember getting up and saying I don't want to live today because I just it was so draining um and now having that different kid, like a completely different kid who you can put down and he actually sleeps and he's not screaming all the time. I'm like, oh, this is what it's supposed like. I'm present. I'm I'm like I can enjoy him. And that's really, really cool. So I can't imagine taking if I had a Stella on top of all of the breastfeeding issues that I have now, it, I would I don't know what my situation would be. So anyway, it's just really put it into perspective um, because I think there's a lot of guilt and shame, not only around how you choose your birth experience, but also, you know, do you breastfeed or not? And I can, you know, I've, we've had interviews on this show before with people who've struggled with supply and with breastfeeding and it's, it's hard. 
And I am team always like do whatever works for you as long as it's informed consent and you are taking care of yourself and you're prioritizing, you know, by prioritizing yourself and taking care of yourself, you're taking care of your your kid. And so you can only, you know, push yourself so hard before you lose your mind. And so, yeah, I just am very supportive of now, you know, being through these two very different scenarios, but very hard in different ways um, of anybody's decisions. And I just made a post about that on my Instagram. I showed a little picture of Maverick and I and just how, you know, the only thing I am at this point, my stance is team informed consent. I want people to feel empowered by the decisions that they make throughout pregnancy and throughout their birth experience and even throughout their postpartum period. Uh, Whether that includes an induction or an epidural or whatever, because there's this whole like weird situation, like you can feel it if you're if you follow birth accounts and stuff. It's a very like, I wouldn't say pompous, but almost like, well, I'm better than you because I had an unbenedicated birth situation going on or like this is the best way to do it. And I and I get that. I do understand that mentality because I think I do think people have good intentions with, well, why, you know, you should try to do it unmedicated because then hopefully it'll go the way you want. But, you know, if I've learned anything, it's that you can try to you can set yourself you can try to set yourself up for success you can create a birth plan but you're never ever in control and birth is out of your control completely as is parenting you know parenting is basically having your heart outside of your body and it's one big exercise in managing the reality that you are not in control right like it's just it's like hey you you have to take care of your anxiety and your your desire to control head on because you have none and um and so that's i I, i'll link to the post that i did uh, a few days ago in the show notes just about hoping and like wanting women to be empowered to make decisions for themselves throughout this whole, you know, period, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, um, and having that be an informed consent. But whether that involves like an induction or, you know, an epidural, like that's okay. It's not, it's not like whose birth was better than the others. And because yours was unmedicated doesn't mean that you had some special secret, you know, or you had, you had special control over your birth experience. It really, it can go so many ways. Um, so anyway, that's, uh, I'm excited too because I will be interviewing our uh, my doula and we'll be talking a lot about informed consent and making informed decisions and being empowered throughout the process and even having an empowered plan C section, you know, um, if that's the right decision. So, yeah, it's it's been a lot and I'm excited to. I just I want to say, oh, I'm excited for when we start to kind of get back to normal life, but we never will. There's this is just a new normal, um, and it's an exhausting normal, but. I feel like I'm going to lose my mind in the next few weeks, to be quite honest. Next time I jump on the podcast, I'll probably be like, I'm dying, um, <laughs> trying to manage Stella and a you baby. You don't know that. You don't know that. I know. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm nervous. Ken just does oh. everything, and he's going back to work. <laughs> it's going to be okay. All the things that we do in our lives are preparations for the next hard things we do, and we keep getting better and more capable of doing harder and harder things. Yep, that's, that's true. true. That's true. So I appreciate everybody um, listening to me uh, complain in the future episodes. So do you want to jump into some questions? Yeah, let's talk about women's health and stuff. 
This podcast is supported by Thrive Market, a membership community that uses the power of direct buying to deliver the world's best healthy food and natural products to members at wholesale prices. Go to thrivemarket.com slash wellfedwomen to sign up and get 25% off your first order. When you sign up for a membership, you're also sponsoring a low-income family in need with a membership. Thrive Market is like Whole Foods, Amazon Prime, and Costco combined. You can shop for thousands of health food and natural products that are 10 to 50% below retail prices and have them delivered to your door fast and totally free with a low minimum purchase. You'll find just about everything you can find at natural grocery stores on Thrive Market, plus more. And all of the food products are categorized by diet and lifestyle, making it easy to find allergy-friendly foods and snacks for your family. Get the highest quality products you love, minus the retail markup, and help American families thrive. To sign up and get 25% off your first order, go to thrivemarket.com slash wellfedwomen. Okay, cool. So the first question is from Tara. She's got multiple questions for us. Hello, Stephanie and Noelle. I'm a longtime listener and I've loved sharing your podcast with many women in my life because of how life-changing your knowledge has been for me. First question. I recently listened to your hormonal birth control episode. I have the Mirena IUD since last July. I have issues with pelvic pain and have decided to get it out. I am 11 months postpartum, still breastfeeding and pumping four times daily at work. My cycle has not returned. I have had inconsistent cycles since I struggled with disordered eating in college. It tends to disappear whenever I am on birth control. I was not planning to prevent pregnancy once I got it out, but recently have increased worries about conceiving. Is it bad to get pregnant if I haven't had a cycle? How could I get my cycle back? I constantly, this is the second question, I constantly am trying to work on eating better because I want to nourish my body. I feel guilty for the things I eat, mainly when I drink wine or beer or eat sweets like ice cream. But I find this extends into feelings, feeling guilty for drinking protein powder that has soy ingredients or bread or a protein bar, anything that isn't perfect. I teeter between not wanting to restrict myself because of my history with disordered eating. But sometimes I feel guilty for thinking about having something before I even eat it. How can I get a better mindset or should I cut those things because they are not good for health? I have some digestive issues. She said she is quite gassy. Have you heard of Plexus Slim? A friend of mine sells it and swears it has improved her gut health and she has cut down on caffeine. I can't find any safety info on it. I'm looking for ways to boost energy, decrease brain frog, brain frog, brain fog and cut down on caffeine, but I'm still breastfeeding. I'm looking to try for baby number two soon. Any recommendations on how I can improve my health? Yes, I think we have some recommendations. I do. So hormonal birth control, (laughs) the one hormonal birth control episode. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So um, I, I have a lot of thoughts. There is so much going on here in these seven sentences that I'm looking at on my computer right now. Uh, you have recently had a baby, you are currently wearing an IUD, uh, you have struggled with disordered eating in college, you know that when you're on birth control, your cycles diminish. How can we make sense of all of this? I think first things first, you definitely have a very sensitive cycle. Now, this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it does mean that if you're 
thinking about your fertility and you really want to take care of your fertility or if you want to be regular for, for any number of reasons, then you need to be really careful with your more delicate cycle. Now, I say it's delicate because you have had experiences where it has come and gone previously. Uh, it seems to be pretty familiar to you to not be cycling, right? Uh, and you mentioned disordered eating, and we don't know to what extent. But if it's a mild, reasonably mild amount of disordered eating, it's definitely still very possible to lose your menstrual cycle. Uh, and if you're under any kind of emotional stress, professional stress, losing sleep, that can definitely, that can disrupt your, I can disrupt your cycle. So many things can disrupt your cycle. And birth control is one of those. Now, often on certain kinds of birth control, you're supposed to keep menstruating. Uh, but it, especially here, this is an IUD that has hormones in it. Uh, and so it's not out of the question that that would, that that would alter your cycle, that that would interfere with your cycle. Uh, and so being on it now, birth control now, A, you can't get pregnant. Uh, B, yeah, if you get off of it, it may take a while for your cycle to return, especially if you're struggling with, if you're looking at weight loss, if you're looking at disordered eating behaviors as indicated in the forthcoming questions, uh, then yeah, there's definitely a lot here that could perhaps hinder getting your cycle back. Is it bad to get pregnant if I hadn't had a cycle? Uh, that's a bit of a bit of a confusing question because uh, if you're not cycling and you're not ovulating, uh, then you will not get pregnant. Uh, of course, it is possible to ovulate without having a menstrual, like without bleeding, uh, but pretty, pretty uncommon. Uh, so if you want to conceive, you need to get a menstrual cycle back. Uh, and if you don't want to conceive, then some sort of family planning needs to happen here. I definitely think that getting the IUD out is uh given the pain that you're experiencing is, is probably wise. Uh, and you can see if the pain goes away. Uh, in that case, uh, what you do with your fertility, A, totally depends on what happens, right? Does your cycle come back? Does it not? Uh, and then B, do, do you want to conceive or, or don't you? If you want to get your cycle back, I think probably the most important thing for you is working on the diet stuff. You know, you talk a lot about restriction. You're talking about... Uh, you do talk about gut health later, but usually when people do plexus slim, they're, they're trying to stay slim. Um, and you're talking about guilty feelings about food. And I really think, especially being just 11 months postpartum, that really focusing on nourishing your body in terms of the quantity of food you eat is super important. And of course, you also really want to focus on the quality because, uh, and Noelle will know this better than I do, uh, there are, you can, because you have been giving all of your nutrients to your offspring, somebody who doesn't have children would probably say to your spawn, to your offspring, to your children, um, you can, you can be really low if you're not, if you're not actively replenishing, you know, these, these vitamins. And so focusing on nourishing yourself again, both in terms of the quantity and the quality, I think is probably the most important thing if you want to get your cycle back now. Yeah. I don't know if you saw this too, but we do have our stats um, and the stuff that she eats down in the yeah, below. Okay. I did. So just to be brutally honest, you are very, very lean. I would say probably underweight. 
that is another reason why you have probably struggled to get your period. Um, and I don't know if you're actively trying to manage that. Do you continue to count calories? Are you, I, in my opinion, I would say I, I'm what I'm reading between the lines is that you are. And I think so many of us who we still feel guilt or shame around food it's essentially because we have this belief that it's better to be lean, it's better to be thinner, and when we eat the things that we are that are quote unquote bad, that means we're going to gain weight and we shouldn't be doing that, right? That's a bad thing. And so I think you have to examine your underlying beliefs in as to why it is that you are still feeling guilt and shame especially like even before you eat food. It's not a it's not you're, there's nothing wrong with you. This is very this is a normal part of living in our society of interacting with social media. You know, this is something that mo- the majority of women are still struggling with. And so it's not something to say, "Oh my gosh, I'm still I'm feel, still feeling guilty around food." I think it's more as something to see as oh wow why do why do i feel that way this is really interesting you know where did where did i learn this why is it that i feel this way what do i think why, what's the guilt for what am i doing wrong and what what bad thing is going to happen to me if i have a beer or if i eat that thing and in your display of your diet you talk about oh, i only eat one sweet you know per week that's not a that's not a lot, right? Um, and I, I only do, oh, the, you know, I do this amount of cream in my coffee, and I only do drink wine two to three times per week. And so I understand that that needs to be limited because of breastfeeding or whatever. Like you probably have, have, you're definitely more aware of the things that you're taking in, right, when you're pregnant and or breastfeeding. But the level of awareness is worrisome to me, or just not worrisome, but it, it. it what what I'm reading into it is what I'm reading into it is that you're sort of still hyper aware of your food and trying to control it. And I wonder if that's just because you're trying to control your weight and keep it down. So in order to get your period back, you may have to gain more weight. You may need to start eating more. You may be slightly under eating, especially that you're now that you're breastfeeding. Can you get pregnant? There's a really great article, so I'm going to link to it, about breastfeeding and fertility on kellymom.com. I'm going to link to this in the show notes. And it has some really cool stats. Essentially, yes, you can get pregnant before your cycle has returned if, this is very, very rare, if you have been having sex and you literally are having sex on the time that you are ovulating the, for the very first time. Okay, so you ovulate and you haven't had that first period yet and you got pregnant during that ovulation. Very rare. Um, But you can. It's not a problem. It just happens. Most, the majority of women, so 48% of women get their period between 12 and 24 months postpartum. So that's close to half. Then some women, like around 35%, will get it in that 6 to 12 month uh, postpartum period. But you're very likely... I mean, you're in what within the very normal range. It's likely you're going to get it sometime in the 12 to 24 month postpartum period. But if you'd like to really make sure that you are getting it back, one of the things that you can do if you haven't is see if you can help your child wean. Um, 
at not <laughs> completely uh, wean at night. So some there's been some research that shows that if you're still feeding at night, that can actually push back when your period returns if you're trying to get pregnant again. So if you haven't already done that, you can experiment with that. And um, but I I think that the major it'll come naturally. However, you will put a lot more eggs in your basket if you're eating more and eating enough and you are in a slight caloric excess and definitely not in any sort of you're not restricting at all and you're not you're not missing out on calories. This podcast is brought to you by the Nutritional Therapy Association, an organization that has been training and certifying nutritional therapy practitioners and nutritional therapy consultants in foundational holistic nutrition for over 15 years. Go to nutritionaltherapy.com to learn more about the programs which empower graduates with the education and skills they need to launch successful, fulfilling careers in holistic nutrition. I'm personally an NTP, and the nine-month program was instrumental in helping establish my own career in health and wellness. Go to nutritionaltherapy.com to learn more about each program and sign up for the classes which start in May or September of this year. If you do, be sure to put down Well-Fed Women as your referral, and you'll get a free copy of Coconuts and Kettlebells sent to you by me. That's nutritionaltherapy.com. Second question here is about, oh, feeling guilt. I guess we've kind of, I guess uh-huh. we've, do you have any more thoughts on that? <laughs> um, how do I, I mean, get a better I, mindset? Yeah. How do, right. How do I get a better mindset? Oh, should I yeah. cut those things out because they are not good for health? I'm going to I'm going to have to say uh no. Actually, don't cut them out. Although you later on mentioned being allergic to soy. So if you're allergic to soy, I would cut that one out. I would cut that one out. Um I think you know, we have this crazy idea that you know, we or rather it's kind of an excuse. It's really hard to tell <laughs> what what to call it, but we conflate our weight with our health and we start to become perfectionistic about the foods that we're eating and we tell ourselves that we're doing it for the sake of our health, but are we really, you know? Um, And so I think that could be a really important shift for you is to think about how you can nourish your body again, in terms of both quantity and quality and not worry so much, you know, allied the stuff about your weight, because what could be really good for you and what could be really good for your future children would be to actually focus on building up both your energetic and your nutritional reserves, right? Like actually having the the body fat you need in order to have healthy hormone levels, to have a healthy pregnancy, all that sort of stuff. And then the nutritional stuff too. And, you know, as to whether you should be eating ice cream, like, yes, if you have very significant, you know, if you have good reason to believe that you may be dealing with an autoimmune condition or some symptoms that are really serious, absolutely do some elimination stuff to figure out what's working for you or what isn't, and then add stuff back in as fast as you can, uh, reintroduce if you can. Um, But if you're not, if you're not managing anything, and if you don't think, if you don't suspect that you have symptoms that really need to be approached in a systematic way, then eating things like ice cream can be so good for you. 
You know, like I had a friend who got her period back after 10 years because she started binging on candy. And I'm not saying that that's ideal, (laughs) you know, but calories actually do matter, you know, especially to women. They really, really do. So I couldn't recommend more highly just really, again, doing things, focusing on things that are good for your body and not discounting things just because you may have had this weird association with them being perfect or not perfect related to your weight maintenance, you know, and remember that calories can be your, like definitely your friend in this regard and be like really stoked about your body. And, you know, you talk about, you're doing a half marathon and you're a personal trainer. And I think that there's probably like a lot about your identity that's wrapped up in being a fit person and looking the role. But I think that's really, really important for our society is to show people that fitness isn't actually like six pack abs. Read Noel's blog, you know, <laughs> um, like fitness isn't necessarily about the way you look or how much body fat you have, especially as women going through these big changes, having children. Fitness is actually about what you're capable of, and you could be stronger if you. You know, if you ate more, that's that's just a fact. And unfortunately, our, our world doesn't see it that way, but it won't see it that way unless we sort of dare to be the people to show them. And that takes a lot of courage and it's hard, but I think it's absolutely uh, worth it. So, yeah, the only thing I'll add to is like, oh, I feel guilt if something's not perfect. The the thing that you have to break mentally is there is no such thing as a perfect food. There's no such thing. Superfood is a marketing term, folks. It's and I, I kind of joke around with that sometimes on Instagram. But then people will be like, well, there is a superfood in your meal today. It's the, and I'm like, no, I, I think you're missing the point. Like there is no such thing as a superfood. Right. That's something that we as as marketers have put on certain foods to make you buy it more. And because we're a producer of that food. And yes, there are foods that are nutrient dense and and ones that aren't. I get that. But the idea like, oh, I feel guilty because this food isn't perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect food. Okay. So you can eat some things that aren't nutrient dense. You can eat some things that are, and you're still going to find health. You could eat only perfectly nutrient dense foods and still have issues, still have health issues, right? So it's not always all about the food and you don't have to eat perfectly to be healthy. And I think that that's the underlying assumption that you need to break. So Plexus Slim. Um, I think that this, I, I don't, I, I don't want to like jump down. I don't want to make it seem, because we probably have people. Are you who, sure you don't? <laughs> Are you sure? Uh, okay, well, okay. We'll be honest. We're going to be honest. We're going to be ourselves. But I also know that there are a lot of people who probably drink plexus or sell plexus so i don't want to i don't want to make it seem like we're on it on the attack against you this is not personal this is not personal but plexus slim okay uh the very i've not done an extensive amount of research into this so i'll put that out there it is it looks like the one that i'm brought up is like a microbiome activating plexus slim and it is a powdered substance that you add to. It's got natural f- flavors in it. And it's only five calories. So it's just a powder. And you add it to water and you shake it and you drink it. 
The marketing on this, don't love it. It's clinically demonstrated to help you lose weight. Asterisk. (laughs) Asterisk. (laughs) Clinically promotes the growth of good gut microbes. Asterisk. (laughs) Increases lactobacillus by 365 times and bifidobacterium by 290 times. It's got a prebiotic in it, folks. So it's apparently it's supposed to be feeding your bacteria in your gut. And um, okay, so if you look at the ingredients, which it, I had to, uh, it's hard to find. Yeah, okay, found the label. It is some chromium. It's sort of like a a nice um, multivitamin chromium. And then it does have like their Plexus Slim Blend is like green coffee bean extract, which I guess is the energy. And then. It's got some other fruit extracts, mulberry extract, and then it has natural flavors, stevia, beetroot extract, silicon dioxide, cellulose gum, citric acid. So to me, and then and then there they have their um their their thing that is apparently feeding your gut microbes is a, is a prebiotic that they have made. I don't know how to say that. Xylogyosaccharides. Okay. Do I think anything is special about Plexus Slim? I don't. I really don't. I'm sorry, Plexus. I really am. But I don't. I think it is a product that is marketed to help you, quote unquote, lose weight. It's another weight loss kind of gimmicky product with some ingredients in it. Like, how is that specially supposed to help you burn fat and lose weight? Like, I'm, I'm skeptical of anything that says just taking this will help you lose weight. So I can eat all the same things. I can just not move or exercise. And I should just drink this and and, and I should I'm gonna lose weight. That's essentially what they want you to believe, sort of. Um a lot of these like weight lossy gimmick products. Not to mention the underlying assumption is everybody needs to lose weight or people should lose weight and and so here's a product. But yeah, skeptical of it. I don't think it's got anything special. I'd rather you just take a multivitamin and a probiotic that also has some prebiotics in it. And you're going to get way more bang for your buck when it comes to gut health. Because this doesn't even have any probiotics in it. Nor also just to say like sometimes people like every probiotic isn't for everyone, right? So it's not to say that even taking a probiotic and with prebiotics is going to improve everybody's gut health. You need to take something that's broad spectrum and experiment with it. Um, so any additional thoughts on the Plexus Slim? Yeah, the asterisks. <laughs> Ooh, it's $90 too. That's $90. The asterisks uh, at the bottom of the website denote that these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Well, that's good. You know, I will say that when I, like, look at this website, I kind of want to buy it. (laughs) And and that's, I mean, that's the danger, right? Like, marketing is so potent. Yeah. It's so potent. And I'm so bad at it, which is why my businesses all do terrible. But... uh, But marketing, marketing is so potent, and um, yeah. I, I'm tempted. I'm like, oh wow, green coffee. I've never heard of that. You know, maybe I should, maybe I should try it. But let me tell you, like, I've just, I've tried a lot of this kind of stuff in my life. Yeah, and uh, like, really, honestly, for your health, for your gut health, and if you're interested for your weight maintenance, uh, high quality probiotic foods and some collagen supplementation, mm. like. 
but that's the you know take it for gut health way. yes yeah I go agree. that way go that way um go here yeah I would like way, way, way rather see people spending their money on collagen peptides, you know, from this like really high quality certified grass fed cow that, you know, like the organic stuff and the grass fed stuff. And you know that this stuff is, you know, that it's really high quality. Um, and then it's going to like, then it will have significant potential to do the work for your gut that, that you really want it to. So um, anyway, that's, I'm going to close this window so I don't look at the pretty packaging anymore. Okay. Yeah. I'm it's good. very, it's a very specific weight management, have get energy and lose weight and manage your weight kind of company. Okay. That's like the, that is the push. Did you ever take uh weight loss pills or like any sort of gimmicky no stuff? No, I never have. I know. Mm. Try to think weight loss pills. There was something that I took that was not safe, not hydroxy cut. Did you ever, you ever remember hearing that? Hearing no, that? but there's is is that the thing with the tapeworms? Ooh, I don't. You know, know. there's like there's this like one there was this one scandal once where people like took a pill for a couple months and then they took a different pill and apparently the first one was giving you tapeworms and then the <gasps> next one was killing the next one was killing the tapeworms. Yeah, everybody lost a ton of weight though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good news, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, I did it. It's it was bad. It was like I remember doing it not for very long because I was concerned and there was a lot of because it like speeds up your heart rate and it was it was bad. Um, and I, I did it for like I bought a bottle and I did it for a little bit and maybe just a month before I was like, this is dumb. I can't I can't keep doing this. So the things that we do to, because we think we need to lose weight. And I was in high school. So that was even the worst. Mm-hmm. Even that was even worse. All right. We'll finish up with this last question. Hi, Noel and Stephanie. Love your work. I'm a Kiwi, but I've called London home for four years now. What is a Kiwi? Someone from New Zealand. Oh, cool. I'm a huge Pilates and yoga fan, mainly because they have helped me develop better movement patterns and manage chronic pain, including low back pain and hip impingement. I have fun doing them. I've danced since I was three, but didn't know how to activate my core muscles until I started Pilates when I was 19. The London market is saturated with yoga and Pilates classes already. But I find the swanky studios unaffordable, and I'm tired of the competitive, judgy, and sometimes unfriendly vibe. I also don't like to be told, this move will get rid of your love handles, or it's almost Easter, earn those Easter eggs. I am very happy at my weight. I look and feel great, but have put a lot of hard work over the years to get into this mindset. Again, hashtag ballet life. When I was in my mid-20s, I was over-exercising and under-eating. Now I'm 30, and I look back and think, what a waste of time and energy. I started Pilates teacher training. I start Pilates teacher training next month and want to offer the community and my work mates classes that are affordable, down to earth, friendly, and focus on helping people work through their pains and niggles. Hmm. That's an interesting word. Niggles. Discomforts. (laughs) Thank you for your... (laughs) I'm so glad you live in London because I... Yay. And feel strong and comfortable moving their bodies in the class and in the world. There will be no earn the right to eat chocolate language in my classes. I don't want people to feel like I did at 25. It was so boring and stressful. So my question is, where do I start? London is so huge. How do I get my message out there and start to build up a client base in this exciting yet ruthless city? I'll also be doing this on 
as a side to a full-time job. So efficiency is important. I feel like the word, what is it again? Niggles? Yeah, niggles. Mm -hmm. Why why have we not? Why is this not a more widespreadly used word? Widespreadly. Widely spread. (laughs) Widespreadly word, niggles. Um, Why is this not used more regularly by the folk across the ocean? U.S. Start, start using uh, niggles. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I have heard it used in the United States before. I have not. Like, I think it's normally used as a verb. Like, something is, like, niggling at your consciousness or something. Like, oh, I don't know. okay. Uh, okay. Yeah? Maybe? Yeah, maybe. Okay, so I'm, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say some stuff, maybe. <laughs> um, I am very bad at... I am like decent. Noel will probably say like I'm passably decent. Like if Noel was the teacher and I took an exam in internet marketing, Noel would be like, I'll let you pass, but do better next time. <laughs> like that's how I am at internet marketing. And in real life, I'm even I'm even worse. So uh, I don't think I'm probably the person to be giving you a lot of business advice here, especially for the particularities of something that is like actually needs a physical space to happen. Uh, I definitely think that it's important um, given that you have a full-time job. I definitely think it's important to start small and to associate yourself with a business, like a pre-existing business or studio space that you trust and can work with in a very uh, peaceful manner. Now I'm not currently in London. I'm not in there. I'm not there anymore. So I'm out of touch with, you know, all of the different options that are available. And of course there's so many, and I'm sure you know many. And so I would definitely focus research first and foremost on finding a community to tap into that's pre-existing and that you like really like, and then focus on your messaging and say, uh, I have this idea. I want to teach this one course. Do you like, you know, can I use your studio space and bring people in specifically tailored to your stick? You know, that's how you'll be able to stand out. I would definitely build a brand around your messaging uh, and keep it like, again, to start out um, very much based off, like as stress-free for you as possible. And therefore is based in pre-existing communities that are easy to work with as possible. And I think I would probably like, I'll leave my advice at that. I think that that's probably for the few minutes we have left, you yeah, know, a good place to start. So I'll I'll do just a few words: small picture and then big picture. Small picture is how do you get yourself known in a community that is already sort of operating? It feels like at full capacity without you. When I was a marketing director for, we were opening up a brand new triathlon store. We were opening up in a community that already had running st- a running store there and already had a bike shop there. And the people were not so happy with us coming in. And so we had to come into a space that was, that already had the people that they loved and convince them that we just wanted to be part of the picture. And we ultimately did. And I will say, Sometimes what you have to do is just, unfortunately, a lot of the things that that don't necessarily, it's not like the fun stuff, you know, teaching is going to be fun for you, interacting with your clients is going to be fun for you, but it may be worthwhile to do some of what you'd call like guerrilla marketing, grassroots kind of stuff, where you kind of figure out where your community is, and I'm not totally sure about where your Pilates community is, but I'll speak from a triathlon running perspective, 
my goal was to be out at every single race and triathlon and to sponsor those and to be there for the community and to support these causes to donate prizes and if um let's say a local store or the library needed some sort of uh talk you know an expert somebody to come and talk about running in triathlon or exercise or health i was going to be there doing that right so i think that well, the first and foremost, the thing that you can do is give back to the communities that you eventually want to serve. Um, and I'll let you kind of brainstorm because, I, again, I don't know about the London market and also Pilates and yoga is kind of new to me. But if you could get involved with the community in any way, shape or form, I think that that would be great. First and foremost. Second, you could, you know, I hope that maybe you're thinking about starting teaching somewhere where you're going to be interacting because I think one of the things that I always see in the fitness industry is the really good instructors and good trainers they have a following people will go with them wherever they go right so if you can get started with a with a place a studio that you love teaching and get some experience that way get to know some people and then you can maybe start to branch out uh, you know start with the idea of okay what what would this look like if i started branching out on my own doing one-on-ones once you have that good base of people maybe it's only just a handful of people word of mouth is huge so if you can incentivize people to talk about you that can be great you know you can say hey if you want to bring a friend to a class i'll let them attend for free um, I've done many Pilates classes like that, and I almost signed up for one, but I didn't end up doing this. It was back in my triathlon days. I was like, I love this, but I just can't give up my biking and running. Stupid. Um, but I, I ended up going to a class you know, with a friend, and I was able to go for free and try it for free, and it was really cool. So you know, incentivize people to talk to their friends about it, bring their friends, but it'll also happen naturally. When you're good at what you do, people will see that you're different. People will see that you don't have this attitude of burn off your love handles, you know, speak positively. And like Stephanie said, wrap that up in your branding, you know, have have positivity and, you know, health at every size and all, all bodies welcome, you know, all that kind of stuff is in your branding and is the kind of the core of your classes and is very well known to everybody who attends your class. Make sure that it is beginner friendly. This is one thing that I think people miss. You, When we're talking about health, nutrition, fitness, anything, your market should be the beginner. Why, you know, a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to go after the people who are already doing all the fitness stuff. So for, with running, for example, Running, if you're a running store, you're thinking, oh, how can I get to the runners? That's not really where your bread and butter is. The, the more rewarding side of things, but also the larger clientele base are the people who have never run and they want to for the first time. People who have never done Pilates and they kind of want to for the first time. So focus on that and making it really friendly to the beginner. And, you know, that, that's a, another way you can encourage people to bring other people, like bring people who have never done this and let me, you know, show them a little bit of piece of your world and let me work with them for the first time. And so I would really be beginner focused. Bigger picture stuff when it comes to just like per, like promoting any sort of business or getting a like a start. I think that too often brands and people in general whether they're nutritional therapy practitioners or they're personal trainers or whatever, or they're starting an online business, a coaching business, people focus too much on the what. They focus on what it is that they're doing. And how they can help people. And instead, it's really important to focus on the why. 
I did not come up with this. Somebody else did. His name is Simon Sinek, and he has a book called Start With Why. And I would highly recommend you read that if you're starting a business, whether it's online or in person. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. So, so many entrepreneurs make the mistake of focusing on the what, so the service or the product. This often often comes off as disingenuous, and it doesn't connect with the community that you're trying to help. So if you share your why, people are going to connect with that. They're going to connect with common goals and concerns, and that's what you should be focusing on in everything that you do. Focus on the why, not I'm offering classes, right? Um, and with... Uh, the example that Simon Sinek gives is Apple. He says, you know, people with Apple, all the competitors to Apple will always talk about, well, look at this product and we got this product out first and look at how much storage we have and it's faster and, you know, we're doing it better. And Apple is never focused on that in their marketing. They always focus on the why, which is we make really beautiful machines that are simpler to use and you're going to really enjoy your experience. Do you want to buy one? You know, and so it's it's never about comparing apples to apples. Um, and so that's something to consider. Read the book. I think it's a great one. And also, I do think it does take a bit of grit to be an entrepreneur. And you have to be able to push through. It's another book called Grit. <laughs> um, you have to be able to push through those times that are really sucky. You know, there's going to be a lot of downtime. Steph knows this. I know this. You're going to have maybe years where you're not seeing your business flourish. But it's if for me in particular, when I have pushed through and pushed past those times, it's when I have seen success. And if I would have stopped when I was discouraged and not seeing the results that I wanted, I would have never gotten to those those ultimate highs. So you do have to keep trying. You have to keep experimenting. I don't think you should keep doing something if it's not working, right? So if you're doing something and it and it's working slowly, keep doing it, right? But if you're doing something and it doesn't work, it's time to learn from that experience and maybe shift and try something new. But keep going, right? So you have to be able to keep moving forward. You have to know I'm going into this process and it's going to suck for a little bit and it's going to be hard and I'm not going to see, I'm going to go, I'm going to host, you know, talks and I'm going to have classes where nobody shows up. And that's part of starting. That's part of being an entrepreneur. That's part of owning your own business and being the small guy. And so you, you kind of have to be able to have a little bit of the grit to be able to push through a lot of that. And I will say that the market is not too crowded for you. I know it feels overwhelming. I got into a space with my business where there was 18 other mil- million other paleo bloggers, blo- people blogging about health, people blogging about fitness, but I did it. And to this day, yes, there's still there's still a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of people in London doing all the things that you want to do, but nobody's doing it the way that you are. So never think that the, the space is too crowded for you because you definitely have something different to offer. And I think that it's cool that you already know that what it is that you want to offer that's different. So keep moving forward. Anything else, Stephanie? <laughs> want to keep that consist- concise? No. Okie dokie. For more from me, go to coconutsandkettleballs.com. For more from Stephanie, go to paleo4women.com. Follow the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. We'll be asking questions there more often. We still do go through, I go through a lot of your emails, but I get a lot of really great questions too on the Instagram's uh, question 
photos that we post. So follow us there so that you can get your question on the show or you can DM it to us. Get our book. It's called Coconuts and Kettlebells, coconutsandkettlebells.com slash book. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>